Welcome everyone to the Product Web Podcast. This is Pierce, your community manager. And today we have Shobit Chug, founder and CEO of Intentional Product Manager. That's a pretty unique name for a company, Intentional Product Manager. So when you become a product manager, you really want to have to mean it. Is that what you mean by the naming of the company? A little bit. And also, you know, really, I see my core mission is helping people really plan and build their careers in a way mm-hmm. such that it supports their life, not mm-hmm. the other way around that. Hey, I got this position just by chance, and now I'm working 100 hours a week, and I'm miserable. Sort of what do you want out of life, and how do we reflect that in your career? So that's sure. where the intentional manager, product manager came from. So it's like work-life balance, your work accentuates your life instead of being your life. Totally. Yep. 100%. And balance, maybe balance, because I love to work a lot. (laughs) Okay. For me, balance is different than what it might be for someone else. Yeah, that's very true. That's very true. As in my case, I'd rather spend quite more time with my family. Mm -hmm. So it all started when you became a product manager. How was your journey like becoming a product manager? Yeah, so... I came into product management after having spent time in engineering, pre-sales, and consulting. And it was, I knew when I went to uh, do my MBA that, look, product management is where I belong. It Mm -hmm. seems like the ideal training ground for someone interested in general management sort of roles. And Mm so basically after business school, I had an offer from a consulting firm. I tried to line up an offer from Google, didn't quite work out then. So I went to McKinsey, which was when I worked for a couple of years. And then I was like, cool, time to finally make that transition. So my path, just like, so most people tell me, hey, Shobit, I have a non-traditional path into product management. Uh And I tell them, so does everyone else. Everyone has a non-traditional path because there's no traditional path. Yeah. And so my my path was also non-traditional. So it would seem that you've been all over all the departments. It's like you're a Swiss army knife on here. So of course, you'd know what you would like in a team. So what was or what were the biggest challenges in building your first product team? So a couple of things. Like for me as a individual product manager when I first started, mm-hmm. really for me, the role seemed was so different than what I had read in in the books. Like I thought I would always be working on vision and strategy and stuff like that. And people love to talk about that as much as possible, but there is so much of getting things done and prioritizing what you do with your time and being aware of how small interactions in your product, how they impact the user experience, like all all those sort of things. Mm -hmm. It just was something that I was not ready for. And it took me a little while to get used to those sort of things. And then when I went on to build my first product team as in hiring product managers, Mm -hmm. I think the challenges I had was making sure they were set up for success and they had the credibility that they needed from the engineering team so that, you know, they could see these people who were, you know, probably a couple of years out of college, not super experienced. They could see them as people who are going to set the vision, set the long-term roadmap. And what I could have done better is 
support them more, trade them more, help them get ready for that challenge that was coming that engineers will say, look, who are you to tell us what to do? What do you know? And sort of setting them up for success was probably one of the mistakes I made. See, see. So it might have been, might that changed your mindset about how to do things with your succeeding product teams. I see. So with that in mind, what mistakes did you make or what mistakes do you see other product managers make most often? If I were to summarize that as one theme, yeah. it's they do the job as it's given and they don't really try to redesign it in a way such that they will have maximum impact. So, you know, in the sense that somehow it came to their their attention that, oh, every day there is a stand-up, so I should go attend the stand-up. I should write these tickets. This is when we we do our meetings. I should go meet with sales. It sort of like all comes in. But very few times do product managers take a step back and say, okay, I know these are the things on my plate. Who put them on my plate? Well, they did. Nobody else can put anything in their plate. It's their plate. And so they don't often have the either the time or the insight to question and ask, what else could I be doing that's more valuable? And if that thing is really more valuable, then how do I start to remove some of the things on my plate that I, right now, I assume it's given and it's important, but you know, in the grand scheme of things, maybe these things are not that important. And so it's that design of the job and making sure it's the one that both contributes to the company, as well as it gives them the visibility they need to succeed, visibility they need to tell other people about their achievements and keep progressing through their career. That's the other thing that I think they they miss out on. I was saying just one classic activity that I always ask PMs about, which tells me how intentional they've been, is how much time they're spending with customers. You know, by the natural movement of most organizations, you'll be spending more time with your team and much less with customers. And it takes effort and intention to be able to make sure you're spending that time. So that's a classic activity. I see. So it's traditionally, it's like a worker's mindset and that I'm in this position. It's like the position controls you. And then I think this is also applicable in other managerial roles or even just on the, for the frontliners. But what you're saying ideally would be is that you should be the role, like be the person. Yeah. Like as you said, uh, I think you put it very beautifully in that there has to be intention. There has to be conscious effort and not just uh, like, doing the checklist and then I'm done for the day, right? Yeah. I see. Yeah. We, we tend to call it, are you running the job or are you letting the job run you? That's sort of the... the I see. That's a lot of, uh, sort of pain. Now I'm getting why you named your company inter- Intentional Product Manager because yeah. there's that intention, that there's that consciousness, there's that drive for you to define the position. What are you doing? It's just a role. It's just a title, but it's you. What's your function? Blah, blah, blah. Things like that. Uh, Am I understanding you correctly? 100%. 100%. You got it, right? I see. So 
okay, now that you're there, I have the intention, I want to succeed. How mm-hmm. do I do it? Yeah. I mean, that's a really broad question. If I were to try to break it down into three pieces, I would say, number one, first of all, is, of course, make sure you're doing your job right. You know, somebody will go and take a look and uh, you, they can say that, oh, you, you, you want to do all these new fancy things, but you're dropping the ball on the core things that really matter. You always have to keep in mind the prerequisites, the, the core things that keep the flywheel going, keep the ball rolling before exactly. you can innovate. Okay, okay. Yeah. So the first one is about, about nailing it. The second one is really making sure you understand, like if you want to succeed and by that both have most impact, but also get promoted, get the recognition, the money that you deserve. It's being clear on what will demonstrate your contributions to your company. I I think that's a really crucial thing, like where I see often PMs just being surprised that, look, I worked so hard. I did all the things. I went to my manager and I said, okay, I should get promoted. And the manager was like, no, you're doing a great job where you are. We'll talk about promotion next year. And that was because there was never any expectation setting earlier on, which was around, okay, what do I need to demonstrate as skills and who do I need to convince in order to get promoted? And so that career management piece is is also just as important. So even if you're just starting out on that first step, you should already be forward thinking. I would say for probably the first three to six months, if you're just starting out, probably you'll focus on nailing what it means to be a good product manager at this company. But very soon you start to think about, okay, what do I need to demonstrate next? And it doesn't mean you come come across as somebody who's super annoying, who just comes and says, promote me, promote me, promote me. Mm-hmm. But it's very much the inquisitive person who says, hey, if I were to be demonstrating the skills at the next level, what would that look like? And how do I start to do that? And so it's it's eagerness, but not impatience, which is what we are really after here. Yeah, that's true. And then the third thing I would say on the career side is having a purpose and a mission that's bigger than yourself. Just always keeping it in mind is that, yep, your promotion matters. All these things really matter. But ultimately, what really matters is the service you're delivering to your company, your customers. Because if you lose that, then there might be a tendency to get you know, the moment you have any sort of pushback or obstacles come in your way, you kind of start to give up. You're like, hey, uh, no, maybe I don't want to go down that route. But uh, there's a thing that people do more for others than they do for themselves. So being clear, who are these other people who you're doing things for, whether it's your team, could even be your family, could it be your customers, that you're willing to go above and beyond and really go for it. So that purpose piece, I think, is really important that sometimes get missed. See, it's basically the reason why you get up out of bed in the morning. Right. right. Exactly. Yeah. Okay. So yeah, I get it. It's like you have this great paradigm of what a product manager could be, what they could achieve. But why didn't you just apply it to yourself, be successful, and then 
basically what I'm asking is, what made you switch from being a product manager to coaching product managers? Yeah. So let's go back to the last piece, the purpose. Ah. You know, what do I get up for? What what excites me at the end of the day? And I started to realize, and like to be honest, my wife also pointed out when I started to experiment in this area, she's like, oh, you've always been about coaching others and helping others. And that's what drives you. And, you know, when she made the observation, I was like, oh, I wonder if I could build a career out of that. I wonder if I could, you know, both do good things in the world and also support all the things I need to support. And so I started down building intentional product manager while I was at Google Mm -hmm. and then scaled it to a point where I was like, Ah, coach, more time to leave and start, <laughs> start, start the, you know, like sort of jump into it full time, and it's just been growing since then. So I hope you don't mind. I'd like to call it IPM just to make things short. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah. So IPM is fully remote. Hundred percent. Yep. I see. Okay. Wasn't that difficult in, I mean, the product management field? I mean especially when it's coaching because you have to have context on the people that are uh, consulting with you, blah, blah, blah. There's a lot of things. Wasn't that difficult? I'm pretty sure you're juggling a bunch of time zones with people consulting with you, with working with your team. How'd that go? Yeah. So I would say the being remote, we just started remote. And mm. my, my first test class was seven out of eight people were actually in Boston, but still I didn't have time to go and everybody would come and meet somewhere. So I just did all the calls on on Zoom and Google Video Chat at that time too. And so it started remote way before the pandemic. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, people did used to ask me, oh, so you're not going to meet in person? I said, nope, it's all remote. And then after the pandemic, it was like, of course we're going to be remote. The time zones is the bigger challenge. So like, you know, there it's really about me building my team, making mm-hmm. sure that the team can support all the different time zones we operate in, which is literally almost every time zone uh, <laughs> at this point from Australia to West Coast, East Coast, Europe, Asia. So uh, we're supporting both. And, you know, I, I do like always have to be cognizant that the team can support it because I can't physically support 12 different time zones or whatever, you know. I see. All the different time zones, yeah. So the reason I ask that is you're obviously the lessons that you learned as being a product manager in the past, the lessons that you learned about building your team, blah, 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 you're applying it to your team right now. So mm-hmm. what makes, uh, sorry if this is just a question I thought out, mm-hmm. what makes your system different now from when you were a product manager yeah i think the the biggest difference has been that you know like to be honest this was one of my mental blocks when i started i'm like okay i've reached a certain level in my career it's really awesome but now i'm taking on coaching someone who's gotten to heights that i never did myself and so like am i really qualified to coach them like what's going on And then I soon realized that, you know, a coach is so much more than just someone who's going to tell you what to do. Very often, most of us know more or less what to do. I'll provide some more advice, but it's 
for lack of a better term, it's very often getting people out of their own way. That's often how I describe coaching, where you know somebody knows that the right thing to do is to have that difficult conversation with their manager about the lack of recognition. And they know that, but they're avoiding things. They are putting things off for the longest time. And what a coach is able to do, a good coach, is to put them into the right empowered state of mind that they are willing to go have that conversation and they feel great about having that conversation. So that's how I overcame my initial blocks. But now the reason why my system is different is increasingly I've taken over more and more and more clients of different levels of different backgrounds. And so I no longer have to rely on what I learned myself as a product manager. Really now I'm learning from all these people who are part of intentional product managers or hundreds of people. So now everything is accelerated. And that's been the, the breakthrough for me. So that's like, that's been your, like your flywheel with your development. Yeah. I see. I've been thinking over your mindset about this. And I'm sure our listeners are listening for something about product led. And I can tell from what you told me earlier that first thing was to nail it. Second thing was to innovate. And the third thing is your overarching goal. I can sense that when it all boils down, it's very product-led as well. I mean, in, the, in its paradigm. So how, in your own words, I'd like it to come from you if it's possible. Mm. How would you relate what you learned being a product manager uh, in the past, now being a coach, which you've learned where you've learned a lot more? What can you tell to our uh, listeners that could pick something up and go for being having that product-led mindset, that product-led paradigm? Yeah, so I would say probably three things. Number one is it always came down to customer-led. You know, what do my customers really need? Not so much what they want, but what they need. And, you know, there is a philosophy I have, and a lot of people say that, you sell people what they want, but you give them what they need because they're still discovering what they really need. And so, like, you know, nobody thought, I, I guess nobody thought that they needed Uber or Slack or anything like that. But, you know, you could, like the founders could see beyond what customers said that they wanted and went into what they needed. So that's a huge part of my approach. The second part that has been really helpful for me is bottleneck thinking, which is, at any point, I could be working on, you know, 50 different things and really come down to where is the bottleneck in my business and where is the bottleneck in my client's success. And then, you know, all my efforts are all about fixing the bottleneck rather than trying to do like, you know, 50 other things that I'm doing. And maybe a last part is, you know, just like when you're building a product, you know, nowadays, the emotional aspects of the product and product-led growth are just as important as anything else. So I would rather buy from someone who has similar beliefs and, you know, stands for something greater rather than just someone who's building another widget. And for intentional product manager, like, you know, very time when I'm having initial conversations with clients, like part of it is like, 
they asked me, what made you do that? Like, what makes you wake up uh, in the morning and coach more people or work on your business? Because I could have stayed at Google forever, had a very awesome retirement and just, uh, you know, did not need to move for anything in my career. So what's the thing that drives you? And I think more and more as technology becomes not necessarily a differentiator, but like where everybody's trying to go get ahead in technology, these human pieces, these things really matter in what products people buy. Yeah, that's true. I mean, of course, if you're going to pay for something, at least you would want to try it first. And if you're uh, on the other side of the coin, if you're developing some software, a widget, whatever that is, yeah, it would only make sense uh, that for you to grow, you have to let other people try it first. You have to be in their mindset. At the same time, this is going to be difficult. You have to have that kind of mindset that you can stand back, know what they need before they need it, even if they're uh, bugging you about this is what I want, this is what I want. Mm-hmm. Yeah, right? exactly. You're totally right. I see. Thank you. What would you advise someone who wants to break into the product management field? I would say two things. Number one, just go for it. Don't question that, hey, is my background good? Is my background good? A lot of people are questioning. Even like people who are in such similar fields as product marketing or program management, they're questioning that. And I would say with the right help, with the right way of telling your story, you can absolutely make the transition happen. So that would be number one is definitely go for it. It's worth it. But the second part I would advise people is, you know, you're here at a time where the world needs more product managers. There's so many positions open and you know you're going to have some qualification gaps. I mean, everybody does. The companies put out all these job postings with 10 years of product experience and all that, and they hire someone with a year ultimately what they need is someone who can think like a product manager but also someone who can inspire them who can have the story that they're like oh i know that person's not doesn't have all the qualifications that we're looking for but i want to work with them and i think those things make a huge difference so it's not a check the box exercise it's much more than that. You are getting these people to love you, to be motivated by you, inspired by you, and hire you as a, as a first PM. And then maybe last thing I would say is just start doing product management. Build a product, go work, go help someone. Just You don't have to wait for anybody's permission to start doing product management. That's definitely a leader's and coach's mindset right there. Mm. So I'm sure you have a lot more to tell. And in fact, that's why you're coaching. Your IPM is still growing. So where can people find out more about you and your work online? Yeah, no, I would say two places, intentionalproductmanager.com, center for everything. Mm-hmm. And then definitely look me up on LinkedIn and connect with me. Mm-hmm. I post so many times. I Maybe I overpost, but uh, another great way to connect with me. All right. All right. Okay. Take note of that, listeners. And so that ends our episode for today. Thank you so much for being here with us, uh, Shobin. So tune in for the next episode. Take care, you guys. Thank you.